Hello and welcome to an episode of Women Who Rebrand season two and on this episode I am joined by two amazing people Helen Thorne an award-winning comedian podcaster and author. Welcome Helen. Hello, hello. Um, I am thrilled to be on here, and it, I'm just, I'm just sad that I can't get to squeeze you in real life. That's what I'm, I'm sad about. I know, but technology, eh? Um, we can give ourselves or each other virtual hugs over the internet. The internet's such an amazing thing. <laughs> yes, you can. You can do all sorts of things uh, yes. on the internet these days. Good and bad, and yeah. also Dee. Hello, Dee. Hi, everyone. Hello. So you may recognize Dee from a previous episode, season one, but also um, Dee is a writer, podcaster from um, We Knew the Moon podcast, an event planner and co-founder of the Goddess Temple in Twickenham, UK. So she likes all things witchy-woo, but also um, has an interest in many other things, which is why I asked her to be a co-host a guest co-host on Women Who Rebrand. Hello everyone, I'm so excited to be back. Excellent. Women Who Rebrand is a UK-based lifestyle platform that champions growth, inspiring women to live authentically while navigating the challenges of modern day life. The platform is home to the self-titled podcast and insightful articles covering careers, health and wellness and relationships. Join our online community at Women Who Rebrand. So today we are discussing the topic of divorce. Um, Helen has written an amazing book covering her divorce and a lot of detail about divorce itself, um, why people get divorced, how people get divorced, her journey um, throughout. It's been extremely um, powerful. It's I've related to so many things and I should mention, sorry, audience, that both, well, all three of us, obviously, um, Helen has, um, have actually been through a divorce. So we actually understand the topic and would like to help educate and support those who are possibly in the situation where they feel like they may feel like divorce might be an answer to that situation. So, Helen, <laughs> your book. Thank you. Your yes. Book is amazing and it does start off with many things that I feel that possibly made me get married in the first place I don't know about you Dee but you were saying that you had this kind of perfect vision of how your life should be as a woman and I think a lot of us are kind of I'm going to use the word groomed groomed into thinking that you have a boyfriend which makes you obviously desirable. If you haven't got that desirability in the first place, you know, um, people that necessarily who are successful get married. They have children. They have the perfect house. They retire and be happily ever after forevermore. However, <laughs> it doesn't end up like that for, me, um, for many people because I think a lot of people are stuck with that ideal. So. It was quite interesting for me to listen to you discuss the fact that, you know, you or you had the idea that making you enough would mean that you would have to tick off all those boxes. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, like definitely. You said about having to starve yourself to fit into your dress. And a lot of people, you know, on their wedding day think that to be perfect, to look perfect, you have to be a certain size and look a certain way. That really hit hard and kind of being funny kind of fed into that kind of um, thought process as well. So it kind of stemmed from possibly insecurities. I don't want to talk for you, um, mm. but what, what would you say about that? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think you know, so much of it comes from low self-esteem and thinking that meeting a man holding on to a man, getting married to a man will complete you or somehow gives you this status of success. And then that's your ticket to happiness. You know, I think that is the narrative that we're fed from a very early age that, you know, a woman by herself in her 30s, 40s or 50s is sort of lonely and left wanting. And, and what I've discovered is the happiness that I thought that I would get from marriage is the happiness I've got from being alone. 
And I think, you know, we have mm. fed so many lies about, oh, well, you know, the, the perfect house and the kids and all that sort of stuff. But um, I don't think I've ever felt as lonely as I did in a miserable relationship and, and always wanting it to be better and it was never going to get better. I think kept thinking, oh, well, next year when the kids get a bit older or we've got a bit more money or we've done up the house. But the happiness was never there. And it doesn't come from material things and it doesn't come from um, having someone next to you. In fact, that actually removes a lot of happiness for many women. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think it, it was a thing that I feared the most. I, I, I was very much conditioned. I, As I say in the book, I grew up, my dad was a vicar. So I grew up witnessing marriages and baptisms and the celebration of the family and and that you know you felt sorry for the lady who had three cats who came came with their knitting to, to church the eccentric auntie right um you know, <laughs> yeah exactly so so I think it's been you know it's been my evolution my revolution that that I adore being by myself I I adore um being a single parent and again that that was something I had to you know smash my own stigmas against what a single parent looks like and feels like and and is see I had a slightly different background in that my parents weren't um they only got married about 10 years after they started going out and it was only because they moved to Lebanon during the civil war and they had to be married to live together there and so I never had the pressure to get married it wasn't something I was like desperate for but my partner was, uh, you know, my now ex-husband w- grew up in a very traditional household and, and much more traditional than he would ever admit. And so he was very much that mentality. You grow up, you get married at a certain age. And I, by coincidence, was just the girl he was seeing when he got to that age that you thought you got married at. And because I thought he really wanted it, I was happy to go along with it. And I thought, oh, this is going to be um, something that gives me security. So it was for me, it was like a different reason to go into it. I thought, okay, then it sort of like formalizes your relationship and that's one less thing to worry about, you know, <laughs> because that's guaranteed and secure. I mean, how wrong I was, but that was my sort of, not my motivation to get married, but part of the influences there. Like I said, I was, I kind of related to um, Helen's story in the sense of, I, I married my first husband my first boyfriend um I thought you know you meet a boy you're together forever and that's what you should do and if you want to have kids then you have to be married that was kind of drummed into me as well so again going back to that single parent kind of stigma and getting over that that's definitely something that comes a part of the whole concept of marriage really I just think it's so interesting but yeah I love the fact that um we've all kind of got something in common but for different reasons as such Mm. well yeah and I think I think that's it and you and you there's that weird thing that you don't want to be the last one not married you know there's that not that there's a race but in your 20s you're like I don't I don't want to be the one you know running to grab the bunch of flowers at the wedding you know I don't want to be the sad one left on the shelf um but I wish I just I wish I'd had more time because I missed I met my husband, ex-husband, when I was 19. I didn't have that time of kind of exploring myself right. and, and all that sort of stuff. So I'm very much making up for lost time <laughs> now. And, um, and also I, yeah. I'm kind of enjoying yeah. being a single woman in my 40s because I've got, I've got my own money, I've got my own house, I've had my kids. So now when I'm dating, I'm just sort of like looking for fun and, and I, don't, I don't need a man to complete me on any other level other than like pleasure and, and enjoyment and, and, and excitement. And, that, I love it. and that's liberating. That's really exciting to be looking for love or, you know, not, necess- not necessarily looking for love, but looking for that kind of uh, fun and exploration. That bit is quite fun, isn't it? When you don't, sorry, when you, when you're not, when you're dating and you can purely think about, is this person a good partner for me? Rather than also, will they be a good father for my future children? You know, you've, you've got that sorted, Mm. you're, you've got your kids and, you know, you're doing great by them. So you can just purely look for someone who's just well suited to you without these extra complications, which, you know, is nice, isn't it? That was something I enjoyed in terms of dating afterwards. I don't have kids, but... (laughs) Yeah, I think it's definitely important to know yourself and enjoy your company before you have, or you introduce a partner to your life. It's so important. And I think 
most people or everyone really should know themselves and love themselves before meeting someone else because at the end of the day you're both individuals you're not just going to come together and kind of form what's best for both of you you both need to know yourselves and that's so important Mm. um so your kind of reasons in a way um like you said was I guess a little bit driven by fear and I think I had it too it's like well that such and such has a boyfriend um they seem happy I want a bit of that so I should have a boyfriend and like you said the whole age thing comes into play as well which I think is so ridiculous in your 20s you should not be focused on being in a relationship like live your life go traveling so many things no not at all then you know comes to the point where you feel like it doesn't work and then you start again but you can start again at any age but it's just kind of a bit easier I would say if you're all both on the same page of like knowing yourselves yeah and I think I think um I think so much of my um first relationship we did go on for 22 years like from my from when I was 19 to 20 to 41 um was thinking that no one else would have me and it comes from such deep terrible Mm self-worth and that's something that I have to really um focus on now when I'm dating when someone's just nice to me or buys me a drink um like my very good friend Ellie who's the other scummy mommy said that's not enough Helen just because you had the shittest person beforehand doesn't mean you get someone (laughs) kind of nice that they're amazing like like put the standards up put the standard like oh yeah but he he replied to my text I'm like he's not a fucking prince you know so I think I think that's I think that's what I've got to learn is 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 that and 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 knowing when to step away from something going oh I think I think we're also conditioned to think oh they'll change they don't know what fucking changes I know that yeah Mm. so I think I think they're Big girl brave pants need to be put on as well so but also I'm so so universally loved in terms of like family friends kids um I love that uh I've built up with Ellie with the scummy mummies a fantastic group of women who come Mm -hmm. and see the show who listen to our podcast and so I feel very held I feel very together and so you know whatever I get from a man you know it has to be pretty exceptional because there's a whole lot of other good shit that I've got already there absolutely and that is so important actually (laughs) So when I, (laughs) it's funny you say that. So when I got um, married, I obviously came to my second um, marriage with everything, all the trauma, all that stuff um, from previous, which I didn't work Mm. on. And as you said, knowing where that bar is, doing the bare minimum is not enough because that's why you left the situation in the first place. And it's like something small, like texting you back. That's the absolute bare yeah. minimum. They should be texting you mm. back. They should yeah. be. So you should have certain standards that you're not willing to compromise on. Obviously, you don't have to be a diva about no. it and be like, they have to take me to a million dollar restaurant yeah. or whatever. But yeah, just knowing your worth. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Start as you mean to continue. Yeah, exactly. Say. Exactly. If it isn't, if it's a bit shaky to begin with, it ain't getting any better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you're dating older people, no. when you're dating as an older person, people are more set in their ways. And the effort level always starts up here with, with people, doesn't it? And it quickly declines. So if they're up here is not really that high to begin with, then you're <laughs> fucked, aren't you? For, yeah. In terms of being treated nicely yeah. and having a lovely <laughs> relationship, it's just not going to happen. There's no way that effort level is going up, is it? No. It's so true. I mean, it goes both ways. No. We all do it, don't we? You know, that's why you got to start. Yeah, of course high. you do. You put your best, your best underwear. That's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You shave. <laughs> you make an effort. Don't fart. All those things. I know. I started going. I saw. I had a little fling with a guy. Go- yeah, we don't fart. What's it? No, that? I had a fling with a, a guy, and he, due to religious reasons, he said, "Oh, I don't do presents," and I was like. I kind of want presents. <laughs> I want someone who gives me presents. Did he at least do like taking you out somewhere nice in ex- in in ex- in ex- like in exchange of a present? Yeah, but to be honest, you're allowed to not be selfish, but you're allowed to have your own terms and conditions. And if they're not meeting your terms and conditions, well, they are not the right person for you. If you want presents, 
have yeah. presents. So now I sound really shallow. I sound really shallow. It's fine. <laughs> anyway, it like just occasionally a nice no. thing. Yeah, yeah. No, you absolutely don't. I want presents. Yeah. Hello, Danny better be listening to this. I want presents. So I think yeah. he probably already Friends knows that, Sarita. Can you put like an address underneath us for where people can send us presents? If they want. Yes. If, yeah. <laughs> Click below. I can do one better. And actually, we can collate an Amazon. Um, uh, yes. We'll put things of all collate. price ranges on there. <laughs> yeah. That's a good idea for um, dating online. Just have in your bio um, Amazon wish list. It's like the opposite of a wedding list, isn't it? We get to the crux of... Um, what happened when you actually did file the divorce and for me that infidelity wasn't the reason why I got divorced I felt that and it wasn't just correct me if I'm wrong the the, the act it was the I'm going to use the word destruction of what you thought was happening mm-hmm what you thought would happen it's something that you didn't think would happen and everything was great um and you mentioned or you described letting out that prime pry what's the word adhd primal scream primal 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 scream Mm. which i think comes from within so deep that it's like infused with so much information and the way you described it I I just got it I got it it's just like earth destroying Mm. in a way do you did you hold on to that emotion when you decided that you wanted a divorce was that emotion still with you or was it just black and white um I knew I knew very much straight away as soon as I, so I, the reason I found out about my husband's affair was I found a love letter. And when I saw the name on the back, I instantly went, this is done. This is the, I I don't want anything more to do with this man. Um, And so, because I knew, I never met the woman, but I knew who the woman was. Um, So as soon as he got home, which I think is about 15 minutes later, um, I'd found a love letter in a a jacket pocket by mistake. Um, I just said, good one, dickhead, it's over. And um, and then, yeah, the next day he left the house and that was the last night he ever spent in this house. So, um, but the, the primal scream moment came from when um, he said, oh, I loved part of you. Like you're really good with the kids and you're good with your friends, but I didn't think you were beautiful and I, and I got things from other, I got the other things from another woman. And I, I just thought that was the, actually the cruelest thing anybody could ever say to somebody in that I used you mm-hmm. for, you know, this part of my life, but actually I was so arrogant that I thought that you're, you're fine to have this and live with the lies and I'll just go, go off and get whatever I want um, as long as then no one finds out it's completely fine. And um, and that's when I got on all fours and kind of moved like a cow. And I thought I I don't I've I've never been loved properly. I, I've never experienced love. This last twenty two years has been an absolute lie. And then I asked him, I'm like, if you were so good at lying, because the affair went on for four years, were there other people? And he said, yes, there were. Oh, and so I just thought, what you know? And and when you when you've experienced infidelity on that kind of scale, on that kind of level of betrayal everything comes into question. Like, like I still have massive trust issues. I still have, um, uh, an overwhelming sense that I won't be loved or I don't even know what love really feels like. And so I think, I mean, obviously I, f- I know what love feels like in, in, in the most beautiful sense in that the purest sense is, you know, with my children and my parents and, and my amazing friends who do anything for me apart from kill my ex-husband, which is a shame. I know. You ask, um, you but, ask uh, <laughs> and no one takes you up on it. Yeah. <laughs> Listen. Next level, bitches. Um, anyway, just make it make it neat. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think I think I think that is that is a cruel thing to do to a kind heart. And knowing that I trusted him, knowing knowing that every day I had no idea what was going on. So I think I think that's that. So sorry that that's very dark. But it, you know, if you do read the book, it gets better because I'm incredibly happy. And it, and I remember ringing a friend, and yeah. she said, "Look, this is the best thing that'll ever happen to you. He's he's let you he's let you free." And, um, and, and that's it. And I, 
Absolutely. And I, I love this new life that I have. I love how I look and feel. And I love that um, the opportunities has given me. Like To get a blank canvas in your early 40s, it's an absolute fucking gift. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to harness that and, and to focus on all the things that you gain rather than all the, all the things that you feel like you're missing out on. And I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. In fact, I feel, you know, I feel a great sense of lightness uh, that I've never felt before, not, not not just, you know, because I'm sort of get on to exercise, but a lightness in that I wake up every morning and choose my own path and I don't have to compromise. And that's 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 extraordinary. And I wish that for everyone, both within relationships, but also who were single as well. It's funny what you said about, it's not funny, it's horrible what you said about what your ex said to you about <laughs> finding what he wanted from someone else. And I had a similar moments in that my divorce was pretty amicable and then he's just started acting like a massive asshole. Um, but now I kind of appreciate nice. that because I feel like it helped me move on and to stay on that path. Like I had already yes. made this decision. I knew that it was the right thing, but kind of his behavior helped me not backtrack, doubt myself about it because it's incredibly hard. Even if you know you're doing the right thing, getting a divorce, there's going to be a million moments where you doubt yourself, whether you think you're doing the right thing, where it hurts so much because that security I talked about earlier, your whole world is shattered. You've got to replan your whole world. You mm. you made all of your life plans on the assumption it was going to be with this person. And it's like the rug being ripped out from under you. So in hindsight, do you think, are you happy that he, he gave you those honest and really hurtful answers? Would it have been better if he had lied and sugarcoated it you, you know what 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 do you think about that no I, I I think it felt like a guillotine like like um and you know when I was writing the book a lot of people said oh we tried to stay friends but I, I spoke to her like a relationships um a counsellor like a relationships um you know couples counsellor and she said you need a point of break you need a point of anger to sever that properly because if you have it too grey it can drag on forever and I I honestly feel like um it was cauterized you know like like the wound was so neat in terms of I I despise the man like I hate him and I don't hate anything like so that's a hard word to say but I remember giving into the anger and going what you did was the worst thing you could like, how, how dare you do this to me? And I think that really helped moving forward and moving forward a lot quicker because I think, you know, I feel sorry for him and I feel sorry for anyone else who goes out with him, to be honest. I'm like, Oh, good luck to you. I don't, I, I, I just, you know, I feel like I've dodged a bullet and yes, I gave, um, you know, I could spend, I think a lot of women do spend a lot of time um, mourning the, the loss of the time that you gave to that person. And I can understand that. Yeah. And that's a hard thing to dodge. Sometimes that side swipes you and I go, right, I'm going to sit in this for a bit. Yeah, it was shitty. It was really shitty, but I can't change that. And I also, I left my marriage with my head held high. I'd never cheated on him. I was always honest and I always wanted the best and worked really hard. And so I have no regrets. And that's a beautiful thing, like to actually sort of go walk away from something going, no, I don't have any regrets being kind and loving towards someone, even though they're a complete shit bag in return. So, so I think to have that is good. And, but um, it, it does happen though. It does happen. You go, I, I remember bursting into tears, watching Bridget Jones baby thinking, God, I gave him two births and two beautiful children. And that, mm. and that hurts. That really hurts going. That was, that was meant to be the most special time of my life. And that, that dickhead was there, which is a shame. And it does get sullied. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to, it does, those memories get changed because of the actions later on. Yeah. And it's like grief, isn't it? It does hit you. I don't care how many years after every now and then you just, you're back in there. Something happens, something triggers you. It doesn't matter how much healing you've done, but some movie is a little bit too relatable and you start crying again, don't you? And I don't know, sometimes like, if that happens when I'm around my new partner, for example, it's a little bit awkward when you're trying to explain, mm. oh, I'm just yeah. crying a bit because of my ex and the divorce and blah, 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 blah. We had a lot of issues because my divorce took ages and I started seeing someone during, I mean, my divorce took years. Um, it was really difficult navigating oh, no. being in a new relationship and still trying to work out the divorce stuff and processing some of the feelings. Felt like I'd done enough to sort of get to a point where I could enter a new relationship, but you know, takes time to get over all of that anger, hurt. I don't think you ever really do. 
Mm. I don't know. I think there's always some of it still in there. And I think it's actually kind of healthy. Actually, I know it is because my counselor told me that the anger is healthy because if you're not angry about Mm. it, then there's something seriously wrong with you. Yeah. And it does inform better decisions. It does inform, you know, um, the other night I was meant to have a date and the guy I didn't text me back and I was kind of a bit pissed off. But a friend of mine said, look, you know, sometimes rejection is a really good way of like the warrior woman helping you avoid something awful, you know, like, and I and I think sometimes you need some of those good, strong friends who just go, it's 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 the universe saying he's no good. You know, he's if he's right rejecting you. you, then you don't want yeah. him, you know. If he's well no, no, exactly right. And don't absolutely. don't feel like you you were not worthy. I mean you do for a bit, then you eat some ice cream and have a bath and you're all right. Yeah. But, <laughs> but you know, it just it does sting. It does sting. And I think, you know, I think we we build ourselves up. I mean, there's a real dichotomy between um the hard edge and the strength and then the vulnerability and that's and that's the hard balance I think when you're going mm. through such a major life trauma you 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 want to kind of go yeah I can do I can do fucking anything I don't need a man and then the other bit where you're like <laughs> crying so loud your neighbor can hear you through the wall yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> Um, speaking of which speaking of those red flags right that you get when you're you're dating did you see any red flags ahead of your marriage I mean I know it's always easy seeing them in hindsight yeah I mean at the time yeah of course of course yeah, 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 and um, and we'd gone through couples counselling as well, you know, and and funny enough, his affair didn't come up during that time, which is a shame because that would have been helpful. <laughs> oh, so you, sorry, so you did marriage counselling before the actual issue came out? Yeah, we did it or the while issue. he was having the affair. So the right. first eighteen months of his affair, oh. we were doing couples counselling, and I thought he was getting happier because you know he was getting fitter and he was looking really good. And uh, but no, no, he was having the affair the same time we were having couples counselling. So he lied during therapy. I mean, the hypocrisy is, um, of know, like awesome. seeking help really with your relationship important. while having an affair—it's just batshit, isn't it? Yeah. Like, why are you wasting everyone's time? Yeah, yeah, that that felt, mm. yeah, that felt that felt particularly crap. Um, so, but the red flags was that you know he was withdrawn, you know, really obsessed with his phone, things like that, which I just thought was depression, and also I just thought, you know, affairs take a lot of admin. I just never thought that he would do that. Um, but also, you know, like just just like. You know, I didn't think, you know, but I, I didn't, you know, I, I consequently found out all the things that he did for the other woman. Like one of her friends messaged me via um, Instagram and said, oh, you know, he sent her flowers and love letters and all this sort of stuff. I thought, God, I never got oh. any of that. So he was capable of it. He just didn't want to give that so to me. So proper love so actually that was, necklace that, moment. You know, God, this is sounding really sad. <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly. And that and that really hurt. But like, but also, again, you know, he's such, such, you know, I think I think that's it. But you know, I must say, like, obviously, he's the father of my children. So I don't slag him off in front of the kids. And they have a really positive. um, Well, we try to make sure they have a really positive relationship with with him two days a week. So that's really important. Do they know about why? They know he had an affair. They don't really know who the woman was uh, or the um, all those sort of details of it. But, um, but yeah, they've had open conversations and I, I sought um, advice about that through um, both a couple counsellor and uh, another counsellor. And the kids kept asking, why, why, why? Because they were just as surprised as I was. Like one day they're with their mum and dad and the next day their dad's gone and and none of us really were prepared for it there wasn't we weren't really fighting we were we were five days off signing a massive mortgage uh to renovate our house which we'd been planning for years you know like so there was no signs that he was detaching it's just that he wanted both things um uh you know at the same time he wanted that you know it's like it's like the french way isn't it you know you have your wife and then your mistress um so yeah we told them but you know uh and and I have had friends, I also asked lots of friends who had parents who went through divorce and they said they only found out about the affair years later and they were really upset that everyone else knew and they mm. didn't and that was even more hurtful than actually finding out about the affair. So we did it in a kind of kind way and just, you know, um, the bare minimum basically. But for me I also thought, I don't, you know, it wasn't my fault. <laughs> yeah. Well. Like, I, didn't I don't do want to take any wrong. of the blame for this shit. And I, and they didn't do anything wrong. 
no no exactly right but um but yeah you know it I think I think it's been good because then they have asked questions and they've you know been able to process and heal at the same time as as I have as well and we've we've got a really much stronger you know uh, open relationship and then I think that's good but um yeah I love being I love that we've got our little family of three now it's really it's really wonderful and I love going on holidays with them they're great they're now 11 and 13 and you know apart from the occasional tantrum I think they're quite quite magnificent people um but we all have tantrums <laughs> it's true we're all human it's fine I let those emotions out because when you don't you don't communicate and how you're going to communicate and have a good relationships mm-hmm. you're giving them all exactly. the, the the life lessons that they need and just making yeah. things realistic and you know we're not in Disney movies the princess doesn't necessarily always end up with the perfect prince like look at Meghan Markle mm. for instance it's like it's not realistic is it you no, said that I you um, that. went went through couples counseling have you done any counseling on your own afterwards to work on those oh. um issues of trust and everything oh absolutely yeah I was straight into therapy afterwards because I had to sort of you know rebuild all my self-worth but also going back to other decisions and why did I choose this guy in the first place you know all that sort of things like and why did I continually put up with behavior um but one of the best bits of advice I got and again this is when I was writing the book was from um, the actress Arabella Weir she said never put up with behavior from your partner that you wouldn't put up with from your best friend in that if someone's at the dinner table going oh why'd you give me broccoli not broccoli again or oh you've given me chardonnay you know I hate chardonnay if your best friend spoke to you like that you go get, get the fuck out of my house like that's really rude but why do we put up with terrible behavior from our life partners and 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 she said that's the sort of the telltale sign is when that's that sort of bitterness is infused within your relationship you're always like this why do you do this and when it gets personal that's when it becomes unfixable I think and uh, I, I wish I was strong enough to kind of go no nah, that's not okay just the just the acceptance of bad behaviors as well but I think you learn that you you witness that from the f- you know, family situations, but also, you know, you're meant to feel grateful that you're in a relationship in the first place. And that's just how it is. And I I also think, you know, like I've made a career out of, you know, talking about not the misery of life, but also about the scummy side of things. And I, and it, and it, I do look back at some of the stuff I, jokes I did about, oh, you know, shit marriages. And I think, you know, did I just perpetuate this, you know, misery that, you know, it's all kind of shit or, or was that, you know, part of, you know, providing therapy for everybody who's going through a tough time because having children, young children, has a huge impact on your relationship and it is hard and you're tired and all that sort of stuff. But there's still room for compassion and empathy. There's still room for love. doesn't mean it's all shit and fish fingers and shouting. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And it's all balanced as well. Mm. Like I love the fact that um, I've come to see Scummy Mummies, amazing show, absolutely hilarious. I love you and Ellie. Um, You just... Give that, I don't think you're painting out doom and gloom. You just make it realistic because marriage isn't shiny. Marriage isn't easy, especially if you've got children. And as you explained in the book, you were kind of the main caregiver. Plus you wanted to have just more than just being a mum. And you kind of lost yourself with that notion that, you know, if you get married and have kids, then that's your role. Yeah, that's just it. That's it forevermore. Yeah, which I think is quite crazy, considering your kids aren't going to be with you forever. No. So when your kids leave, I don't know about the stats, but is that a time where many other people get divorced? Yeah. Then it's just two of you, and you're like, um, "There's no distractions here. I actually have to." There's no focus. Interact with. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. Exactly. When you're alone. Yeah. I yeah. <laughs> so if you imagine the years of marriage, 10 years of marriage, 20 years of marriage, 30 years of marriage, 40 mm-hmm. years of marriage, it kind of goes like a bell curve. So um, if you're basically mm-hmm. the highest mm-hmm. um, rate, rate of divorce is at around the 30 years of marriage point. Um, so it goes up and up and up. Uh-huh. Um, and then it tapers off a bit. So if you've got to 50 years of marriage, you're probably going to just last you know um and so I 
I limp on through. That. Yes, yeah, you might as well. What's the point? <laughs> I'm too tired <laughs> to start again. Um, You'll do. Yeah. Oh but God, yes. It, to me, I interpreted that as like, <sighs> okay, the kids have reached adulthood. We know lots of people stay in relationships because of their children, um, yeah. and then when the kids leave the nest and there's not that unifying factor. No, I know that kids sometimes are the opposite, but you know that reason to stay together. Um, yeah, that that might lead to a little peak in divorce because it's like, right, it's just us two now. Oh, fuck, we hate each mm. other now. <laughs> we don't have any f- kids to sort of put a facade yeah. up for. So what are we doing here? So yeah, and not a surprise, but yeah, divorce and rates separate lives. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you've got the main caregiver quite often the woman still we have is still a disproportionate division of labor in the household and with child um rearing and so forth there's that whole thing of like who am i without my kids right like none of us have got to the age i don't have kids mm. and your kids aren't adults either of you but like none of us have got to the point where we have to like reassess who you are even are when your kids reach adulthood what am i going to do with all this free time and who am I when I'm not like a, a mother, a full-time mom and stuff? So yeah, that must be a lot. That must be a mm. lot to deal with. Yeah. And not a surprise, but apparently divorce rates yeah. have taken a massive whoop. Uh, that's me making a motion upwards uh, during and post pandemic. Cause can you imagine, let's just take a moment of gratitude for not mm. being stuck with our exes during the pandemic. Cause I would be, <sighs> Well, well, for those who haven't read the book yet, um, Helen, <laughs> everything kind of, well, let's say the shit hit the fan around COVID, right? Yeah, three weeks before lockdown, that's when I found out. Yeah. So, uh, and then uh, I was so relieved because I knew out there just was quite time. a few friends who <laughs> got divorced during... Oh no! I was so oh. so relieved. I just God, imagine having to live with someone you hated uh, through that whole time and doing homeschooling and all that stuff. But I know friends who did, and it was oh God, all power to them to get get through that. Oh my God! Yeah, I was I was so relieved that that I, I felt like the universe had intervened. And I think, as I said earlier in the podcast, was about five days off signing this massive mortgage to renovate our house. So I could have, you know, Mother Universe kind of said, "No, nah, she's had enough. She can't. She can't do these two things. She can't get into debt." And, and you can't go into the pandemic. So I thought it was really good to actually go through a horrific experience during the pandemic because I couldn't be distracted by going out, working, mm. anything else. I had to sit in the absolute misery of it. And it was sort of, it was like boot camp. It was like the absolute extreme of misery, just going, oh, I've got to educate my kids and I can't leave my house and I'm just going to live off biscuits and um, and live in the same tracksuit for about six six months. Um, so that's fine. <laughs> really glamorous but you know um i i think that again it sped up the process of of um of recovery as well and then yeah and then i started writing the book oh about eight months after i got separated so the book is really much a first year account of what it's like and i wrote i wrote it when i was really angry and really broken and i think the book benefits Mm. from that because so many books about divorce are about people many years on going oh it's all going to be great and you're going to heal but but what people want when they're seeking kind of uh solace or or some kind of understanding is 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 to know that these sort of raw feelings are okay and it's normal to feel that kind of pain and that's so well I would have really appreciated that book during my divorce because I was and Sarita you must have felt the same I was the first of my friends to go through a divorce and so you know I had like parents friends that have been through divorce and people reaching out trying to help you know but they were most of them were either not my close friends or not of my generation I was in my early 30s and so I didn't I had obviously Mm. friends that had gone through breakups I had gone through breakups but there's something next level about a divorce right and yeah I just didn't have anyone that I could talk to that that fully understood or could tell me it's okay like I said, I had to go to counseling to be told it's okay to be angry. You know, I thought I need to get over this anger. I need to repress this anger. It's not healthy to be angry. And it's like, no, it is actually, you have to go, you have to feel that and sit in it for a while and just, you know, let it out yeah. a little bit. So, um, yeah, I think I could totally see the benefit of having a book, which is just really raw while you're going through it, all of those emotions. 
Yeah, the 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 response yeah. I've had from it has been extraordinary, and um and also it was incredibly cathartic. Like I when I when I went to do the audio book because um, you've been listening to it, Sarita, I just wept a lot yeah. of the time because there's one thing writing out your feelings, another thing is actually um saying them um out loud, and and so like when I had to like. Uh, read the bit where I I had to ring my mom and tell her. I mean, you two have both done that. That's one of the hard. That's that's one of the hardest bits about separating is when you're recounting it to all the people, all your loved ones, because you know that instantly they're going to feel the sadness and they want to reach out to you, and you have this responsibility of basically putting some sadness in their life. That essentially it's not your fault, and so I that was that was a hard bit to sort of. Um, go through again and writing those out but also I feel stronger for it and um yeah mm. now not I'm really not afraid of sadness anymore and I think that's and that's um and all being vulnerable you know I've, I've had you know, going through the dating process I you know I do I have had quite a few knockbacks but that's just part of the process and now I go right I'm going to feel sad I'm going to have a bath I'll go to bed early and you know and then I'll be okay you know in a couple of days time and it's not so devastating and I think that kind of gives you the calluses I feel like you 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 feel like a stronger person because of it and and you know you guys have found love and I love I love I love that um I was going to say there's a there's a saying in Denmark the first the first husband is for children and the second husband is for love but you got both with the second one Sarita you got love and (laughs) children I did I did but I have to say, it hasn't been easy. Like, we've been through couples counselling. We've had issues. And like your counsellor said, you either stay together or you don't. And we were both faced with the exact same thing. Mm. But we did choose to stay together. And that's when change has to happen. You have to be at least, not necessarily on the same page, but at least one behind or one forward. But that's about it. You've got to work and towards the same goal, don't work, you? Which is... Yeah, essentially, essentially. And it can't involve fantasies. It can't involve, well, you know, when we retire, we'll have this big castle and da, 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 da. you just have to be realistic, don't you? Mm. Like, if you want a big castle, then what steps are you doing to get that big castle? And you have to work together. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So looking back at your journey, would you do anything differently? No, but obviously you would have the beautiful children. Yes, of you course. Could magic them up no, and, I... and be like, Sprinkle, you appear. No, because <laughs> I, I, I love my career and I love where I'm at now. And I love all the women I've met along the way and I love where I live and and everything that I have is 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 wonderful. And also the pain that I experience has now been a gift for other women. And so I can't regret anything because I think that's kind of like carrying extra poison with you. Um, so no, um, you know, of course I would love to erase everything that he's done, but then that erases the other good stuff as well that, you know, erases moving to the UK and all those sort of things. So yes, um, no, I don't have any regrets, um, other than, I don't know, I probably shouldn't have drunk so much when, uh, after my divorce, <laughs> <laughs> we'll smoke so many fags oh but it was yeah. also lockdown those, so don't those, worry about those it no we all did it and all ate, ate a lot no deliver you know i should be a shareholder oh, tell me about it <laughs> i thought really? someone had stolen Oof. my credit card details and i realized oh no it's just me on deliveroo oops um i've got a question for both of you yeah. about um we talked a bit yeah. about the emotions the anger that you feel the sadness you feel when you go through a divorce but the ones that I actually struggle the most with I don't know whether it's like I I'm Palestinian I have a Palestinian background so Christian um but not religious I'm an atheist my family close family aren't but you know very sort of traditional background and but I don't think it's unique to that I felt a lot of um embarrassment and shame and like failure and like and it's coming all the way back up again because I've got my partner I said I keep on calling my new partner been together for like five years now but we're engaged we got engaged um like a week before the first lockdown so wedding plans are on hold but uh, like I'm planning a tiny tiny wedding because the thought of inviting a large chunk of the same people Sarita included Mm. you know to a second wedding after they went all out and came to my wedding and gave me wedding gifts and so forth and then making go through all it over again you know there's so much shame isn't there that you feel that you carry even when it's not your fault 
an embarrassment and like are people you know you talked about the sadness that you're making them feel but are they pitying you and yeah how how did you guys deal with that are you still dealing with it <laughs> do you want to go first Sarita <laughs> well okay I might be a bit controversial here but when I got divorced I didn't actually feel any guilt I was really happy and in those days so like you said you were like one of the first people to get divorced I was like first person to get married then first person to have a child then first person to get divorced so I'd been there done that but I think I always knew that I shouldn't be in this relationship and I kind of got into it thinking again um overweight teenagers no boys ever looked at me when we were dating he always used to kind of say you know I'm the only person that would love you no one else is gonna love you and I kind of just always had that that constant message sent to me so I was riddled with so many I just want to jump in and say public service announcement that's abuse like what you went through there that is abuse Mm. well yeah but we were both young and we both had our issues which I totally see now we were just absolutely not meant to be together but meant to be together to have my wonderful eldest child um Oh, I was I going to say? What was I going to say? So, yeah, I didn't really carry that guilt. And the, like I said, I always had that, that negativity. Like we didn't go out. He didn't buy me presents or make a fuss about me on my birthday. But I kind of grew up in a situation where that was normal. I never really had someone make a fuss, not even my own mum. So, not getting presents, that was normal. Not going out, that was normal. So the bar was really low. But it wasn't until I started branching out and finding myself um, and realised what I wanted to do with my career and have opportunities, that's when I realised this person isn't for me. Um, It was actually, I'd just gone to New York with some friends and I was doing makeup at the time. And we went to visit um, magazines and did pitches about working with them and doing fashion shoots. And I was like, holy shit, I can be doing makeup for magazines in New York. Ah! So I couldn't wait to get back and tell him that um, we'd kind of suggested going back for a couple of months to do that. And I was like, this is such a fantastic opportunity. Like, New York, health, yeah. Um, however, I did have a young son at the time. But at that time, um, my partner was working. And my mum did a lot of, well, she did all the babysitting and everything. He didn't have to do anything. Even if he was there, she would come over and cook, look after him. So I didn't see it as a problem. But when I said this, and I was so excited about going, he's like, you can't do that. You went about, no. And I think for me, that was the decider. Like, why wouldn't you want your partner to succeed? Yeah. And maybe take a step back and have to do a little bit more for them to do such. It's like, as women we always kind of take a step back and allow our partners to grow and to shine because, you know, that's what you do. And it wasn't until that moment I was like, but what am I in? Yeah. This this isn't where I want to be. So ended it there, literally. He moved out the next day and I was on it and I was like, this life is mine. So when I actually went for the divorce, I felt empowered. I didn't have any guilt. I was like, done. I was like Googling like divorce parties. Is this a thing? But back then it wasn't really a thing. And I was like, I, I want one of those cakes with the bride cutting off the guy's head and starting anew. But yeah, I, I didn't have that shame. Well, that's good. <laughs> what about you, Helen? I, I, I felt the same way. Um, yeah. Especially, yeah I, again, because oh. of the circumstances, I just thought, oh, I'm no shame. All the shame is his. Yeah. You know, I haven't done anything wrong. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that, that felt empowering. And I think, I think, and people, people. One of the most common questions was, you know, did either of you beg for forgiveness, or you know, do you regret, you know, doing anything wrong, or that you could have changed something to save the marriage? I was like, nah. This is this is a fucking gift. This is this is this is mm. you know, this is what was meant to happen. Um. So yeah. So I I I I um. I'm, I'm not not doing shame Good. in that respect. I mean, I. <laughs> Sometimes I'm a bit ashamed of myself when I what I do on dates. Hmm. But um, no judgment here. <laughs> after a couple of drinks, no, we've all done it. Uh, or, or sending sending a guy who's really not that into you a drunken text at like one a.m. 
Oh, God, that hurts oh, the next day. been there. Oh, no. God. See, we've got to say this shit because we've all done it. I've, I've woken up yeah. going, oh, why did I send like a weird sexy text that wasn't really that sexy to a guy that clearly With loads of typos care. as and well. Like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, missing words, far too many kisses, like a lot of like horny. Oh, oh, emoji. oh God, it's awful. And you wake up going, <gasps> that. Yeah. That should be illegal. Like, don't do that. But I still do it. And I, I, yeah, I can't drink. I can't give up drinking. I love drinking. But I, I've got to give up texting men in the middle of the night. Silly girl. Yes. Silly girl. Don't do it. You need to write on the bottle. Do not text. No. On the, the on the phone. Just don't, don't do I it. Do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do want to talk about dating, though, because as um, an older person, I'm going to say an older person. So, Dee, you're in your 30s. I was in my 20s, but had zero um, dating experience. I didn't know what to do. Like, I came from a stage of, that. I like that boy, but don't tell him. <laughs> and then having a first boyfriend and married him. So, yeah. I didn't do all the in-betweeny bits. So, then when you've actually been out of it for a long length of time or haven't done it forever, mm. <sighs> Yeah, you've already touched upon it, but the things that you did that you wish you didn't do, we all do it, mm. but how are you on the dating scene? Is it difficult? Are you on Tinder? Plus, going through the dating pool? Oh, yeah, I was on Tinder almost like immediately. I've met some really ace guys, and like some of the first guys that I've had dates with are still friends, like they're two and a half years later. Um, oh, nice. And still, you know, occasional friends with benefits and things like that. And I've ha- and had guys I've seen on and off for like a year, you know, that we meet up casually and and it's very open going, I'm going to see other people, he's going to see other people, but I really like your company and I'm not really up for a relationship yet. So those things I've really enjoyed because I've learned to ask for what I want. So I've learned a lot from that. Absolutely. But but yeah, I'm still I'm still sort of flittering around apps and things like that and um having occasional one night stands, which do you know what sometimes can be a brilliant thing. You feel really empowered, you're like, you're really hot, you're gorgeous, this is this is it's what it is, you know. It's it's safe, it's consensual. Sometimes it's the best way to get over someone is to get under someone else. I did do that yeah. many times. <laughs> and I've enjoyed I've enjoyed having dates that um of having dates with younger Ooh. men because they're fun and also Ooh. so so the youngest I've had is 29 and I'm 43. So he was 29? Yeah. Nice. Wow. And I was 42. Um yes, and that was really fun. Um but but also it's you know um and in the sex chapter of my book, I've spoken to quite a few psychotherapists about this. It's actually because women in their 40s have quite a high sex drive and so do younger men and they don't need a little blue pill. Like they've got they've got stamina and that's what you want. Um, so I'm quite, I quite, quite enjoy that. But there was this one moment where I had a date with a 29-year-old and we were talking about music and I said, oh, I really like George Michael. And he went, who? And I was like, oh, okay, good, good, good. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. I know. I, think- <laughs> I know. I was like, and then he put on Blink One Eight Two while we were having sex. I was like, ah, oh, this is not gonna work. You're probably not <laughs> ex-husband number two. <laughs> that is actually hilarious. I love the fact that you're dating for the sake of dating and having fun, and not dating to find a new husband. No, I think that's where mistakes can happen. Yeah. I think- I dated thinking I'm going to find my next life partner and it's like well no you're no, only going to be disappointed no no hurry yeah, no hurry and yeah. even now I'm like if I um touch wood I don't touch wood get divorced whatever I'll be fine but I always say I'm like I absolutely do not want to get married again. I am tired. Yeah. I'm not going to take it on anyone else's issues. No. Anyone else divorce stuff. I don't want anyone else in the background. I'm just going to have fun. So I'm loving the fact you're just living and doing doing you and just having your best well, life. Yeah, yeah I am enjoying that. There's a bit of admin. That's what I don't like about the date, the dating apps. It's just, it's just the scrolling and then like, ah, oh, yeah. oh. 
But, you know, but when it pays off and it is, you know, you just have to manage your time with it because you can spend too much time. And I have had times where I'm like, oh, I just want a really hot date for Saturday night and you can be obsessed with it. When really you can have just a nice time having a bath and a wank and, a, and, and you know, you're guaranteed to have for an orgasm if you have sex by yourself, which is a wonderful thing. Um, yeah, but uh, and, and, and watch a film that you like and get a takeaway for one. So that's that's a guaranteed good night in while a date is a bit of a risk. And so that's that you've got to kind of have these sort of boundaries in place going yes if it works it's great but don't spend too much of your time kind of in hope that it's going to be this crazy wonderful night of sex and often I find the guys who talk about sex a lot in the pre things often aren't that great that there's a lot of build up about Ah. um, so yeah but I'm learning I'm learning all these things (laughs) bit by bit everything about dating will be in book two (laughs) absolutely The divorce, although it was my decision in my case, I feel like it wasn't really in that my husband was being so shit that he left me no choice but to go down that route. Um, But I have Mm. decided, and it took a lot of work, you know, we talked about counseling and so forth, but now I'm in a much better place. I know myself much better. I'm, I'm determined to look at the shadow side of it and the dark side of it, but also just take as much positive from it and move on and grow. And I'm, I feel much stronger now at shit time. We talked about it immediately after where I went from such a strong, confident woman, even during my marriage, which wasn't that happy to like a quivering blamange of a thing, because I doubted my decision so much because, you know, I was just like, Mm. We touched on it, right? Like, how did I not see this? And how how did I make such a stupid choice? And blah, blah, blah. Um, but now I'm really happy. And I'm happy about everything that happened. I'm, I am even grateful for the time I spent with him, et cetera, et cetera. But not everyone has reached that point. Everyone's journey during a divorce and post-divorce is different, right? And not everyone wanted the divorce not everyone Mm. had the choice etc etc so whenever I hear someone is divorced I my initial reaction is to go in for a high five and like welcome to the divorce club but and some people are like yeah yes and other people are like my husband left me with three kids and I I was desperate to stay with him and it's like oh shit I'm really sorry like I get it you're having a totally different journey for me and I was super insensitive yeah I know it's hard it's hard to predict how people hmm I think ultimately it's all it's it is a positive thing, obviously, because you're free from a terrible relationship. But people have, yeah, some people are still in love with their exes, and that that must be very difficult. Yeah. That must be really hard to not have that. And I and I, but but the the stories that break my heart the most because I get people running to me every day after reading the book is when oh, the husband has an affair too. with the best friend. Oh. And I think that must be really fucking oh. awful. The double the double betrayal because you 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 know the the that's what I think it that would be absolutely awful. Absolutely, women awful. don't do this um, to your friends. And you know, still being in the same village, don't do it. It's not worth it. And if he's cheating on you, if he's treating on your friend, he'll treat on you. Like the statistics are so high with people who have cheated in one relationship they're just going to do it again so you know um it takes a lot for them not to and what do you that. just said um, there yeah, and i interrupted yeah, I just you think that that would and i'm doing it again but what you just said there about having to stay in like a same village imagine like i don't have that i don't think you have that sarita where you have to constantly bump into your ex or if they were having an affair with the person they're having an affair with like i don't know i was i i didn't have any infidelity in my relationship that i know of but i i can't imagine having to bump into them regularly or oh did you have that Helen did you have to I mean you must have had to stay Mm. in contact with the kids well yeah because I see them see him yeah but I keep it to an absolute minimum absolute minimum and sometimes he stays in the car when he drops them off and things like that so so for me that you know it gets it gets slightly easier but um but I have to go to you know school events and and I'm absolutely fine being you know, very neutral around him, around the kids and things like that. Like I'm not, but it's um the kids are obviously aware that it's not easy for me, and I don't think that's I think it's a bad thing that they they're quite protective of me, then they know that, that that there's still a bit of sadness there, and I think it's good to be open about that, yeah. and not go oh well, all fine now. It's been two years, we can all be happy. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I think that's all right to kind of be open about that, and it's an ongoing process. You said that you have a lot of people that write to you after the book. And it's funny, I didn't even, I keep on saying it's funny. Um, 
I always feel compelled to write to people afterwards. I'm like, I'm just going to trauma dump now and say, um, end it by saying how wonderful the book was. So thank you. But you, like you said, you've got a lot of people writing to you. What advice would you give to someone who, say, is in an unhappy relationship, whether married or not? Um, what, yeah, what, what do you say to them? Well, what would you say to them? Um, I often think if they're if they're asking a stranger, should I leave him or should I stay? They want me to say go. Mm. Uh, I think that they ultimately because because it's easier to ask someone that you're not attached to, um, going I'm really unhappy. Should I stay or should I go? And they want me to say go. Um, so I often say it has been the best thing that's happened to me. Um, reach out to your friends, find a good psychologist, find a good therapist. Um, it's really hard in the beginning, but it ultimately it will be the best thing that's ever happened to you. And that's all I can do. In the beginning I used to go, oh, it's up to you. Now I'm just like, fucking go, just go. <laughs> you know? I really, I I do think that, that, that you know, for, for me when people reach out because I'm sort of anonymous, that they they want someone to give them that final push. So that's that's sort of what I in the beginning I didn't and now I do and I I, I laugh with my dad who's a vicar I said look you did the weddings now I'm doing the divorce you should go in, in <laughs> as like a, a team and be like right if you get married we can do this yeah and then team you one. come out with the realistic things yeah see me in ten years <laughs> buy a package deal yeah 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 I'll sort you out don't worry don't worry I I, I yeah. have you know when when we talked about Sarita you know being the sort of first in the social groups to get the divorce we end up being the ones that all of the others come to for advice on their relationships and and again it took me a while to realize no they're coming specifically to me because they want me to say it's okay to go get divorced I do always emphasize like even when it's your choice yeah even when you know it's 100% the right decision for you it is fucking hard you have to rebuild your life from scratch. And that's healthy sometimes. Yeah. Burn everything to the fucking ground so that you can build it better. But I always yeah. emphasize to them it's really gonna be hard. So make sure you're sure because you're gonna have your, you know, doubts or your moments of weakness or your moments of intense mm. sadness and grief along the way. And you need to have that knowledge just branded on your brain that it's the hundred percent the right decision to get you through those really difficult times, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But also but pain is pain, pain is progress. You know, if you're not if you're not facing that, you're not moving forward. And yeah. it sort of feels like, you know, when you're going through all that that oh god, it's never going to end, but it is because you're you're crying, you're 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 processing it. You're not you're not avoiding it. Mm-hmm. And avoiding avoiding those big feelings only results in it coming out the wrong way at the wrong time. Exactly. So if you can, if you can have some ownership over that sadness, and that's that's really important. Mm-hmm. Lol. Sorry, really funny stuff. <laughs> really, get the comedian on for all the laughs. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Basically, to end this podcast um, positively, because I do think it's a positive experience. Although, um, you know, it's sad when relationships end, but in the end, you are mm. shining. You are like the happiest I've seen you ever and you can just see it in your aura it's like you're yeah. completely you're still Helen but you just ooze this confidence yeah. and ooze you and specifically you so you've you've rebranded you've become new so I think for those who are in a situation where they think oh crap I have to start all over again at whatever age it's a positive thing because you can now mm. be you. It's your time. And that's what I've absolutely loved about um, listening to your book yeah. and watching you on um, social media and seeing your journey. So thank you. You've been an inspiration to all. Oh, that's a that's a really beautiful thing. You're welcome. But it's, it, likewise, it's wonderful seeing your journey, Sarita, as well. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm so uplifted by all the women around me. And and but thank you for saying that. That's that's excellent. And I, yeah, I, 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 the the single mum community has been one of the loveliest things I've been able to be part of. And they're just, you know, there's a great quote by the comedian Hannah Gadsby saying, "There is nothing stronger than a woman who's been broken and rebuilt herself." And that is so true. You feel you feel so strong, so much stronger when you've had to put yourself back together again. So, um, yeah, 
Yeah, get divorced, people. It's excellent. <laughs> and divorce. Highly recommend divorce it. cake all round. Yay. Yay. Oh, I love it. Can I just say Yay. that I still, to this day, I made myself a divorce playlist. And <laughs> it's all about, like, women yes, empowerment and everything. And I listen to it to this day. I was driving yesterday and I was listening to it because it's just an awesome playlist about being fucking fabulous woman. Mm, so that is such a find good me idea. on Spotify and yeah, follow my awesome. divorce playlist if you want. <laughs> We'll put it in the show notes. Don't worry. Um, Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Helen, for joining us. Um, It was a pleasure to have you on the second season of Women Who Rebrand. Where can our lovely audience follow your journey? Um, Well, you can follow me at Scummy Mummies on Instagram, but also my personal account is called It's Me, Helen Thorne. And my book is called Get Divorced, Be Happy. And it's also available on paperback and audiobook. An audiobook is good because a lot of women listen to it who are married who are going, the husband hasn't been able to see the book. So enjoy. And there's a lovely chapter with Ellie. Um, Ellie um, wrote a chapter about mm. being a good friend. And that, I think that's amazing. a very good bit in it as well. And she reads it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, guys. I loved it. Yeah. My husband was actually in the room when I was listening to it. <laughs> Ah, so he was just like painting and side-eyeing I'm like yeah you listen to this she set the bar excellent good this is how marriage should be (laughs) so yeah listen to it around your husbands and partners but yeah thank you so much Helen um and we shall continue to follow your journey and um yeah we are a part of your community and love you and watch seeing you shine so thank you take care bye bye Women Who Rebrand is a UK-based lifestyle platform that champions growth, inspiring women to live authentically while navigating the challenges of modern-day life. The platform is home to the self-titled podcast and insightful articles covering careers, health and wellness, and relationships. Join our online community at Women Who Rebrand.